We begin our daily news briefing joined by s e o m i s o r a n g here in the studio. Long time no see, m i s o r a n g Good morning. Good morning, Henry. We're going to begin with a controversy that has come up in the past couple of weeks, but now it has come to a bit of a head because there has been a report issued. The uh, top audit watchdog has now concluded that the uh, so-called economic viability or the, I guess, lack of viability mm-hmm. of the uh, Walsung-1 nuclear reactor, uh, their economic troubles were unreasonably underestimated uh, before being shut down. Right. So the Board of Audit and Inspection drew the conclusion yesterday as it announced the results of its inspection on whether it was reasonable to prematurely shut down the country's second oldest nuclear reactor. The Walsong-1 nuclear reactor began commercial operation in 1983 in Gyeongju with a lifespan of 30 years. In 2011, its operator, the state-run KHNP, Korea Hydro and Nuclear Power Corporation, It injected 700 billion won into repairing Walsung-1 to extend its lifespan through 2022. But in 2018, the KHNP decided to decommission the reactor, citing its low economic value. Now, according to the BAI, an outside accounting firm had submitted a report to the KHNP, one that significantly undervalued the economic advantage of continuing the reactor's operation. But... Apparently, even before this report was submitted, the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy had already decided to shut down the reactor, which, according to the BAI, prevented the KHNP from pursuing other options or further reports. Now, having said all this, the BAI did stop short of ruling on the validity of the shutdown decision itself, saying it focused the audit mostly on the KHNP's decision-making process and fairness of the economic viability evaluation. The years-long debate over the decommissioning boils down to whether the earlier-than-expected shutdown was politically motivated to accommodate President Moon's nuclear phase-out policy. So it feels like uh, once you get through one political controversy and that begins to subside, let's say in recent weeks about the uh, allegations surrounding Justice Mr. Chumier's mm-hmm. son, and it mm-hmm. seems like those questions largely were resolved. And then later, uh, and we're still going through uh, the uh, issue with the uh, Lime and Optimist mm-hmm. funds and how uh, that's also uh, been a big political football. However, again, we're seeing that uh, recent revelations have maybe kind of started to, to push that uh, to, to the background. Now we're seeing another uh, political controversy being stirred up here. And I think the background for a lot of our listeners who may not have been following the story is that to the lead-up of the uh, previous presidential election, mm-hmm. um, there has really been, it's largely divided on ideological lines where people feel that nuclear power in the long run should not be in the country's future. And many countries Mm -hmm. around the world, including Germany, have made that decision. And so it is um, beneficial to try to phase out or reliance on nuclear power and try to boost up alternative energy sources. Uh, The the conservative argument is that that is economically a uh, a foolish thing to do Mm -hmm. and that uh, nuclear, by and large, is safe and a a relatively clean source as long Mm -hmm. as you know what to do with the radioactive materials. Mm -hmm. And that debate on the backdrop of that has been ongoing where the current government, Moon Jae-in, has said, you know, we are indeed planning on phasing out nuclear power um, again, to the backlash of of conservatives who don't like to see that. And so what we're seeing now with the arguments against the Moon administration is that the Moon administration is so hell-bent on shutting down these nuclear reactors that they're willing to 
kind of cut through the red tape and mm-hmm. and and maybe uh, make these shutdowns quicker by putting out these spurious um, reports of mm-hmm. economic viability. And that's what the BII was uh, addressing because of these uh, complaints that had come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, B- the head of the BAI, of course, is appointed by President Moon Jae-in. So there right. is that kind of veneer that he should be somebody that uh, uh, would be objective in this so that his words hold weight that oh look they're they're actually not as economically underwater as has been made out to be however i think a lot of people have been left unsatisfied with this report because of the fact that they did not reach that firm conclusion of Mm -hmm. causality yes bad economic report Mm -hmm. inaccurate uh, and that was why this shutdown was not a Um, a proper thing to do. Mm -hmm. They did not say that. And so now you have both sides, again, kind of interpreting the uh, report in their way that Mm -hmm. is beneficial to them politically, which means that this controversy, unfortunately, is going to to linger and uh, we're probably going to have to talk about it in a, a subsequent segment. Another ongoing controversy is the establishment of the uh, Independent Investigative Commission or unit in Korean, colloquially known as Gongsucha. We're still at a disagreement as to how we're going to get this thing started. That's right. So the ruling Democratic Party has upped the pressure on the main opposition People Power Party to promptly recommend members to a panel which will then nominate candidates to head a new agency in charge of investigating corruption by high-ranking officials. At yesterday's party meeting, DP floor leader Kim Tae-yeon stressed that there are only six days left until the October 26 deadline that his party had set for the opposition's recommendations. The DPK said that after this deadline, it will go ahead with a revision to a law to b- deprive the main opposition of the right to participate. Now, the PPP is likely to submit nominations before the October 26th deadline to make sure that they don't lose their veto right in nominating the head of the investigative body. Now, this office, as you mentioned, colloquially known in Korean as Kung Su Cho, it was supposed to be launched mid-July following the passage of relevant bills at the National Assembly last December. But there's been a delay of more than three months now, partially because of the main opposition's failure to recommend members to a seven-member panel. To launch the investigative body, a seven-member committee composed of the Justice Minister, the head of the National Court Administration, the head of the Korean Bar Association, and four experts, two recommended by the ruling party and two by the main opposition party, they should be formed to recommend two candidates to lead the new office. But the main opposition hasn't recommended the two candidates. The Triple P, meanwhile, is moving to submit a new bill on the agency, one that removes a clause requiring the prosecution and police to report to the agency before carrying out probes involving high-ranking officials. The main opposition is also preparing a separate bill, this time seeking to launch a special counsel investigation into DPK's involvement in the country's hedge fund scandals. Right. So uh, are we calling it Triple P now? Is that sort of the uh, standard (laughs) nomenclature? I like that. I like that. It's like a a wrestler name. Uh, (laughs) Triple (laughs) P. Triple H, Triple V. The... um, I think for the uh, PPP, as you say, uh, Mm -hmm. they are likely to try to at least 
get a nomination out before that October 26 deadline because, quite frankly, they don't have any leverage here in terms of the ruling party having the votes to push ahead with a revision of that law, which would basically allow them to then appoint uh, nominations to uh, head the agency regardless of whether the opposition decides to uh, cooperate or not. Because, as you said, um, there's been a failure by the main opposition to appoint any uh, nominations on their side, but uh, the other side will accuse the opposition of actually saying that it's not a failure, it's actually a a deliberate refusal Mm -hmm. to do so in order to try to delay this. Maybe some of the uh, political calculation being if they can gum up the works long enough that we get all the way up to the uh, April by-elections next year and then the political sentiment changes, Mm -hmm. there would be uh, enough of a a roadblock that uh, they cannot establish this Mm -hmm. uh, Gongsu-cho at all. But uh, the ruling party and enough... um, I think ardent supporters of uh, the establishment of this and overall prosecutorial reform is strong enough that it does look like the ruling party will find a way to try to push it through. Uh, Again, it will depend on whether it's going to be with the uh, cooperation of the main opposition or not. And as you see, there are other lingering issues like the opposition's demands for a special prosecution into uh, the events that led up to uh, um, the Justice Minister Chumier deciding to ultimately take over some of these contentious cases like mm-hmm. the uh, Lime Optimist yeah. Fund and also looking into some specific allegations against the uh, Prosecutor General Yoon Seok-yeol. So uh, all of that is uh, certainly still in dispute right now. We're going to talk about another issue that has been under dispute in Misorang, and that is a real estate policy. Uh, there's been widespread dissatisfaction, uh, we could say, uh, with how the government has uh, conducted real estate properties uh, price um, policies so far, including high prices, but at the same time, other people feeling that these taxes have been a little bit too onerous in order mm-hmm. to try to clamp down on those prices. There's been a bit of a modification now. The ruling DPK has decided to push ahead with a plan to lower the property tax burden for single homeowners? Mm-hmm, right. So the argument is that we're not trying to increase our tax revenue. We're trying to target those who mm. own expensive or multiple yeah. houses. But the change comes because there are growing complaints from those owning single properties that they actually do live in uh, over rising real estate prices and the corresponding adjustments in the officially assessed land prices, which is the basis for calculating property tax. Now, Han Zong-e, chairman of the ruling Democratic Party's pol- Policy Committee yet said yesterday that the ruling party will consult with the government and make adjustments to the property tax and how it is levied. Party leader Lee Nak-yeon had also said the previous day that his party will come up with a plan to give relief to those who own a single property that they have lived in for a long time. But regarding media reports that have been going on about a comprehensive real estate tax reduction or a total tax exemption, for single homeowners who have lived in their houses for more than three years. Han Jong-e refused, she denied it, and said that that is not something that the party is considering nor planning. Right. And if you talk to uh, wealthy uh, Gangnam owner types or basically anybody who uh, owns either lucrative properties or multiple properties, the onerous tax is really the comprehensive, the Jongbu yes. mm-hmm. uh, That is the one that really is the, the one that kind of hits you where it hurts. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Chesanse, which you're talking about right now, um, certainly would give relief to mm-hmm. people who aren't necessarily in the uh, speculation game and they just own a place and they're living and they're just trying to make ends meet. And yeah. that would uh, definitely give them some added relief. However, whether this is going to satisfy everyone, probably not, especially more of the people who are in the uh, investor mindset or wanting to continue to be able to purchase properties but mm-hmm. find it a little bit restrictive. But it does go along with the plans that Inagyan uh, widely deemed to be a little bit more of a moderate figure, mm-hmm. perhaps, than his main rival right now for the presidential nomination, Lee Jae-myung. And so 
this might be a little bit of a, de- um, a departure from what the current government policy is, because we have to point out this is a ruling party proposal yeah. for legislation, mm-hmm. um, and the government's plans are, of course, uh, on that more stringent route. Mm-hmm. And Lee Jae-myung has also cited that he is more supportive of what the government, government is, is currently doing, doing yeah. right now. So it's another interesting debate point among those Uh, two candidates as well as the the supporters of the two sides. Uh, Let's talk about this next issue. This is also something that hasn't popped up on our radar for for quite a while, Mm -hmm. but it is dealing with our country's medical sector. There is a Jeju court ruling that has now upheld the uh, revocation of South Korea's first or would have been first for-profit hospital business license. Right, so we're talking about the Greenland International Medical Center. And the Chinese operators of this center had filed a lawsuit in May of last year over the provincial government's decision to cancel the hospital's approval after it missed a critical deadline for opening. The Jeju District Court yesterday ruled in favor of the Jeju government. Now, to give you a bit of a background, the Greenland Hospital received approval for business in December of 2018 on the condition that the hospital does not treat domestic patients, only international patients. Mm -hmm. The Shanghai-based operators did not like this condition and filed a lawsuit two months later saying that it's against the Korean national medical law to limit the scope of patients in a hospital. Now, under the Medical Service Act, hospitals have to open within three months of receiving a permit to open their business, and Greenland Hospital missed this deadline prompting the Jeju government to withdraw Greenland's business license in April. Now, regarding Jeju court's ruling, Governor Won Hee-dong welcomed the ruling, saying the judiciary recognized Jeju Island's step as being justifiable, while a lawyer for Greenland said that the group cannot but seek judgment by an international legal institution. So the group is now expected to pursue an investor-state dispute, or ISD, settlement Mm. under the South Korea-China Free Trade Agreement. So just to clarify, uh, with this hospital, this privatized hospital, Mm -hmm. uh, the main issue has been that um, if the operators wanted to maximize revenue, they wanted to make sure that um, wealthy Korean Mm -hmm. patients be allowed to also uh, be treated there. But because of the fact that here in Korea, there still is a a more protectionist sort of stance, right, in Mm -hmm. in terms of privatized medical services, Mm -hmm. that they said, we will allow this to go forward, but it's only really going to be for for rich foreigners who come in and want to get treatment. And that, that really is the crux of the issue. Is it then widely then a more kind of proxy battle over this big dispute over the future direction of medical? Because, you know, when you speak to Mm -hmm. medical professionals, a lot of them would like to have a more privatized sense. And that has really been the KMA, which kind of represents more of these privatized clinics that uh, they would like to see an expansion of uh, being able to provide services outside of the the regulatory framework of the current medical system, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of doctors, uh, especially those in the private sector, they would prefer to have more liberalized sets of guidelines for under which they can operate their businesses. But in this case, I think even doctors who would normally go that route Mm. might be in favor of the Jeju government side, mostly because we are talking about... Yeah, it's a foreign entity. It's a foreign asset. It doesn't really involve them. It involves other rich people from other countries. Right. So (laughs) we want to have that big lucrative piece of the pie. However, this is going to maybe move in that direction. However, that's not going to be our pie. So uh, we're okay with that for now. And we'll fight the battles on other fronts, like uh, Mm -hmm. going against uh, Moon Jae-in Care and and, like uh, medical school reform and all that (laughs) to beat a dead horse. Okay, uh, moving on to the uh, tech sector here. Let's uh, talk about this very major 
ac- uh, acquisition. Mm. This is actually one of the largest uh, in history, at least yeah. uh, from South Korean corporate history. SK Hynix is set to purchase Intel's NAND memory chip unit uh, for a whopping $9 billion U.S. dollars. Right, so South Korea's number two chip maker said Tuesday that it will buy a memory chip unit from U.S. semiconductor giant Intel Corporation. The deal is worth $9 billion U.S. dollars, or 10.3 trillion won, and is one of the largest acquisitions in Korean corporate history. SK Hynix said that it will acquire the entirety of Intel's NAND flash business, minus its obtained memory unit. The deal includes Intel's solid-state drive business, NAND and wafer business, and the NAND factory in Zalian of China. Now, NAND flash refers to a non-volatile storage chip that doesn't require power to retain data, whereas a dynamic random access memory, or DRAM, chip is a volatile storage device that does require power to maintain data. The acquisition will make SK Hynix the world's second largest NAND flash chip producer with a projected 23% market share after Samsung Electronics 31%. SK Hynix is already <clears throat> the number two producer for DRAM mm-hmm. chips, so it will really uh, solidate its position as one of the leaders or the global leaders in chip manufacturers. The purchase will require government approvals, which the two companies aim to finalize by late 2021. Right, so you can see how um, SK Hynix could benefit uh, more market share and then, as you say, moving up to become the second uh, largest NAND flash chip producer uh, alongside its second place status in uh, DRAM. Uh, but for Intel, as well, I mean, there might be some confusion here because you think of Intel, oh my gosh, they're going to purchase this huge company. But Intel's core business has always been their CPU units. That's ah. the thing that you see in almost every laptop and uh, PC that we have here that basically runs the entire um, uh, uh, desktop or uh, notebook uh, uh, computer. Mm-hmm. This it would be more of a kind of shedding of some of their less desirable right. units. And they were kind of trying to focus more on 5G and maybe boost their CPU mm-hmm. uh, business a little bit more because of the stiff competition from AMD. So it kind of works both ways. And again, um, pending regulatory approval. We do have time for one more story. And again, uh, going back to um, medicine here, uh, um we're talking about a COVID-19 vaccine and mm-hmm. when that'll come out. It does not look like it's going to come out before the U.S. presidential election on yeah. November 3rd, which mm-hmm. is what Donald Trump wanted. But Moderno's CEO did say that uh, we have some interim results from a vaccine trial uh, coming out in November and maybe an emergency approval by December. Right. So this is the best case scenario or the most optimistic scenario. But Moderna currently has some 30,000 people participating in its late stage study. Half are given the experimental vaccine, the other half are not. And the first interim analysis will come out when more than 53 people get symptomatic COVID-19. Now, Moderna CEO Stefan Banzel predicts that this will happen sometime in November. To apply for the emergency use with the FDA, Moderna needs to demonstrate the vaccine's safety by sufficiently following up on the portion that did receive the real vaccine. Banzel expects this to happen by the end of November, after which... The FDA will take a few weeks to assess and come to a decision in December. Now, Moderna is on track to produce 20 million doses of its experimental vaccine by the end of this year and 500 million by the end of next year. As we know, drug makers are racing to develop a COVID-19 vaccine with more than 150 potential vaccines being developed and tested globally. 
And besides Moderna, Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, among others, are the front runners in this race. Right, and everyone wants it sooner rather than later, but everyone also would like it to be a, a safe, safe and, and a effective. effective vaccine. <laughs> yeah, it's a constant uh, refrain that uh, we hear uh, from uh, various uh, pundits. Okay, b s a n g we are going to have to leave it there. Always appreciate uh, the reporting. I believe uh, we will be able to uh, see you again uh, next Friday. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, we will talk to you then. Okay, thank you.